Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Monday, December 16th. In today's news, in a striking turnaround, the U.S. economy is now free of recession fears before the 2020 election. The U.N.'s global climate talks end with a thud. Participants are leaving Madrid with hard feelings and few results. And Hallmark changes course after pulling wedding ads that showed brides kissing. But first, the big idea. A private campaign is underway to draft Congressman Justin Amash as an impeachment manager in the Senate trial of President Trump. Amash is from Grand Rapids, Michigan. He's one of the most conservative or really libertarian members of the House. He left the Republican Party on July 4th to become an independent after endorsing Trump's impeachment. A group of 30 freshman Democrats led by Dean Phillips from the Twin Cities in Minnesota has asked House leaders to consider Amash for the small group tasked with arguing its case for removing Trump in the upper chamber. The thinking is that Amash would reach conservative voters in a way Democrats can't, potentially bolstering their case to the public. He also would provide Democrats cover from GOP accusations that they're pursuing a partisan process. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi ultimately makes the call, and she's expected to announce the managers early this week. Amash didn't respond to our request for comment about whether he'd accept such a position, but Phillips, who's been in touch with Amash about the idea, said that the lawmaker has agreed to consider it if Pelosi asks. The move would be unorthodox, but not entirely unprecedented. Pelosi chose a five-member bipartisan group from the House Judiciary Committee to oversee the impeachment of a corrupt federal judge about a decade ago. Still, most Democrats that we talk to predict that impeachment managers will hail from their own party and be steeped in the evidence gathered by the House Intelligence and Judiciary panels. Amash is not on either committee. While most Democrats would fall in line with her strategy in the Senate, Amash would be something of a wild card, given his lack of loyalty to the Democratic Party. However, Democrats who are supportive of the idea, a group that includes the conservative Blue Dogs, but also some of the most liberal members, say that's exactly why Pelosi should pick him. They applaud Amash for his courage in standing up to his own party. While Amash wasn't part of the House investigative process, he is a former practicing lawyer known for his strict interpretations of the Constitution, and he's very well versed in the writings of the Founding Fathers. These discussions about Amash are particularly timely, given the news that Jeff Van Drew, a moderate Democratic freshman congressman from New Jersey, is expected to change parties, in part out of frustration with his own colleagues for pursuing what he calls a divisive impeachment based on hearsay. Republicans are already salivating at the prospect of holding up the soon-to-be former Democrat as a prime example that the party has overreached with impeachment and is repelling moderate Americans. Five of Van Drew's staffers sent a joint letter of resignation on Sunday, and the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee said the committee will hire any staffer who quits Van Drew's office. Van Drew, who has been his party's most vocal opponent of impeachment, made the decision to leave after a personal meeting with Trump on Friday. The congressman then began informing his staff that he was going to do it, but he didn't want the information to become public until this week. But the news leaked, predictably, on Saturday. And here's a headline you probably didn't see coming, or maybe you did. Trump went after Pelosi's teeth on Twitter last night. The president suggested that the speaker has dentures. There's no evidence that she does. And he said her teeth were falling out 
as she answered a reporter's question last week about why bribery was not one of the articles of impeachment. The video that Trump tweeted shows that just before answering a reporter's question, Pelosi moved her mouth slightly and took a sip of water, but her teeth didn't appear out of place and her speech was not interrupted. Pelosi's office didn't immediately offer a comment about the president's tweet, but the speaker and a bipartisan group of lawmakers have been busy. They were marking the second day of a trip overseas to commemorate the 75th anniversary of the Battle of the Bulge. Meanwhile, over in the Senate, Democratic minority leader Chuck Schumer called for subpoenaing several senior Trump administration officials who have refused to testify in the House's impeachment inquiry. He wants them as witnesses for the Senate trial. In a letter to Mitch McConnell, Schumer outlined a number of procedural demands Democrats say they'll make to ensure that the Senate trial is fair and that it can be completed within a reasonable period of time. That includes subpoenas for acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney, Robert Blair, a senior advisor to Mulvaney, former National Security Advisor John Bolton, and Michael Duffy, a top official at the Office of Management and Budget who was involved in freezing the aid to Ukraine and until recently was the executive director of the Wisconsin Republican Party. Mulvaney, Blair, and Duffy have been subpoenaed by House committees and defied the summons. Bolton has not been subpoenaed, but indicated he would fight one in court. Under Schumer's proposal, the trial proceedings would begin on January 6th, although Chief Justice John Roberts, who will preside over the trial, and the senators wouldn't be sworn in as jurors until January 7th. Then House impeachment managers would begin their presentations on January 9th. The proposal on witnesses is certain to draw resistance from McConnell. The top Senate Republican would prefer not to call the type of high wattage witnesses that Trump has demanded, such as Hunter Biden or the whistleblower whose complaint triggered this whole inquiry. And McConnell has warned privately that a battle over witnesses would lead to what he calls mutually assured destruction. Schumer proposes allowing up to eight hours of testimony and questioning per witness. McConnell and Schumer are set to meet this week to hash out the scope of the Senate trial, and Schumer's proposal came after the Sunday shows in which Democrats ramped up their criticism of McConnell for declaring that he is working, quote, in total coordination with the White House to protect Trump. And a new Fox News poll released on Sunday shows that 50 percent of Americans want Trump impeached and removed from office, while 41 percent believe he should not be impeached. According to the poll, while 85 percent of Democrats favor impeachment and removal, 84 percent of Republicans do not. But there's a new high in support for impeachment among independents. 45% favor it now compared to 38% in Fox's previous poll. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar as we start the week. Number one, the U.S. economy is heading into 2020 at a pace of steady and sustained growth after a series of interest rate cuts and the apparent resolution of two trade-related threats mostly eliminated the risk of a recession. This marks a dramatic turnaround in momentum since August, when some forecasters predicted a 50% chance of a downturn starting by the end of next year. Many economists credit the Federal Reserve's interest rate reductions and the slightly improved trade picture for propelling the stock market to fresh record highs and causing forecasters to bump up their predictions for how long the economy can keep growing and adding jobs without stumbling. Trump secured Democratic sign-off last week on the new trade deal with Mexico and Canada that will keep most goods traded between the three nations tariff-free. He also reached a limited trade agreement with China that scrapped hefty tariffs that were set to go into effect over the weekend in exchange for China agreeing to buy about $200 billion more in U.S. goods over the next two years. The trade deals, while not as ambitious as what Trump promised, have lessened one of the biggest drags on the U.S. economy. And that 
in a word, is uncertainty. Larry Kudlow, Trump's top economic advisor, told the Washington Post on Sunday that tariffs will be much more stable for quite a while now. Kudlow is even predicting 3% economic growth next year, a pace that Trump has promised voters, but the U.S. hasn't reached since 2005, and almost no forecasters outside the White House say it's feasible. U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer also said Sunday that some of the larger-scale structural changes the White House wants China to make could take years to accomplish. Lighthizer's comments reinforce the belief that the White House is going to scale back some of its more adversarial tactics against China next year as Trump approaches re-election. Number two, after more than two weeks of negotiations punctuated by raucous protests and constant reminders of the need to move faster, negotiators at the UN's climate conference in Spain barely mustered enough enthusiasm for a bland compromise resolution that they patched together while raising grievances about the issues that remain unresolved. Delegates from nearly 200 nations wrestled for more than 40 hours past their planned deadline, making these the longest in the 25-year history of the climate talks. As officials scrambled to finalize a complex set of rules to implement the 2015 Paris Climate Accord, which the U.S. has pulled out of, a handful of higher-emitting countries that are still in the agreement squared off against smaller, more vulnerable countries. Negotiators were at loggerheads while crafting rules around a fair and transparent global carbon trading system, so they punted the issue to talk about it more next year. Fights also dragged on about how to provide funding to poorer nations already coping with rising seas, crippling droughts, and other consequences of climate change. Number three. The Hallmark Channel took down a wedding planning company's commercials featuring two brides kissing after a conservative group objected. The network then changed course after it was heavily criticized all weekend for that decision. The TV network, known for its annual lineup of holiday movies, was pulling four of six commercials depicting couples who said they wished they had turned to Zola's services for their big day. The rationale given in a Thursday email to Zola representatives was that their ads were too controversial. Zola then announced it would stop advertising altogether with Hallmark, pulling the non-controversial ads. By Sunday night, the owner of the Hallmark Channel backtracked and issued a public apology for the, quote, hurt and disappointment that it is unintentionally caused. The company said it will reinstate all the commercials, work to repartner with Zola, and enlist the help of a nonprofit to improve its representation of the LGBTQ community on the Hallmark Channel. And that's The Daily 202 for Monday, December 16th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. If you want to get more news about the impeachment process, you can subscribe to a podcast feed from The Washington Post with all our updates in one place, including the latest from The Daily 202's Big Idea, Can He Do That?, and Post Reports. Find it at WashingtonPost.com slash podcasts.